0: Earlier this week, the Trump administration implemented a new rule effectively ending asylum cases in the U.S. But business went on as normal at the San Ysidro Port of Entry Tuesday. Twelve asylum seekers were let in, even though they violated the new rule which requires asylum seekers to claim asylum in the first safe country they reach after leaving their own. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. To get a deeper understanding of what's going on at the border, we have two members of the border team in the studio. We have Wendy Fry and Gustavo Solis. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Can
0: both of you explain what's going on after this new rule by the Trump administration has been put into
2: place? Well, I think the short answer is no one really knows. Uh, There was a lot of confusion and uncertainty about exactly how this new policy was being implemented. And at least yesterday, the first day that it was on the books we didn't really get too many answers
1: Uh, and I'll just add that people appear to be and are saying that they're getting increasingly desperate without knowing what their fate is going to be
0: and uh, Wendy you were literally just um, across the border hours ago can you describe the scene that you saw today
1: sure less than an hour ago even (laughs) yes I, I, I do believe it's appearing like systems and procedures down there are looking a little bit more chaotic right now with nobody having any information about how this new policy is supposed to be implemented. And then also, as I said, people look and are saying, expressing frustration and concern, and they don't really know what's going to happen.
0: And uh, Gustavo, can you actually break down what this policy, like how it is supposed to function?
2: Right. So this policy would severely limit the number of asylum seekers that can come in through the southern U.S. border. Essentially, what it does is that, uh, barring extreme cases, the U.S. would not allow anyone who crosses a country to claim asylum in the southern border, essentially barring anyone who's not Mexican from seeking asylum in Tijuana. Uh, And the reason that's such a big deal is because the overwhelming majority of people waiting in Tijuana for asylum are non-Mexican people who have come from Honduras, Guatemala, um, El Salvador, and we're seeing more recently uh, bigger numbers from Cameroon, Ghana, and other West African countries.
0: So with this sudden change, this puts a lot of onus on the Mexican government now as they're going to have to deal with all these individuals who theoretically won't be let in. How are they responding to this change in policy?
1: Well, right now they're saying they don't agree with this change in policy, and um, the foreign minister, Marcelo Ebrard, and um, also the, the the on-the-ground local um, national immigration officials say they have no idea how to implement it. They haven't done any training. They don't have any procedures in place for dealing with this, and um, they're not really sure. As we've been saying, they're just not really sure. Um it would actually take a vote of the Mexi- Mexico's Congress to allow for a safe third country agreement between Mexico and the United States. And they haven't done that, and it's very unlikely that the Congress would agree to it.
0: So essentially, with this policy, the U.S. government has kind of jumped the gun, right?
1: They've decided to do what they want to do, I guess.
2: Yeah, essentially, they, they acted unilaterally without working with their neighbors to the south to come up with a plan for implementation.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why we saw on Tuesday when the, lo- the new policy was in effect, people were still crossing, right?
2: That's right. People, and it should be noted, people who are not just uh, Mexican asylum seekers. They, I was there Tuesday morning, and Mexican immigration officials took 12 asylum seekers who had already been waiting months in Tijuana to the United States. That group included people from Venezuela and Haiti. And to be clear, just because Mexican immigration officials took them into the U.S., it doesn't mean that their U.S. counterparts admitted them in. For all we know, they could have been turned around, but we really don't have access to that part of the process at this point. But when I was there Tuesday morning, it was business as usual, right? There were more asylum seekers from all over the world signing their names into a wait list to claim asylum in the U.S., and the people who had already been waiting months were being taken to the U.S. independent of where they came from. Mm-hmm. And Wendy, we
0: spoke last week about how all of these changes are really causing kind of an environment of fear with many of these asylum seekers who are trying to get to the United States. After this policy has been put into effect, are things worse than they were before?
1: It's really reaching a tipping point in Tijuana. The the shelters are completely overcrowded. The, the directors of the shelters are, are having to come to Chaparral, the, the port of entry every day and pick up 40 to 50 people and take them back to the shelter. They're overcrowded. They're frustrated and they're becoming desperate.
0: And is there any response from like the mayor of Tijuana and other organizations that are trying to kind of get a grapple on what is a refugee crisis in that city?
1: I have not heard from the mayor of Tijuana. I did hear from the governor-elect Jaime Bonilla, who said, you know, we want to we want to treat these folks with with respect and and make sure that their humanitarian rights are respected. And they have a delegate that's going from shelter to shelter to try to figure out how how they can get more beds, how they can get more roofs over over these people's heads. But so far, uh, there hasn't been another shelter open that they are talking about opening another large shelter somewhere in TJ. But so far that has not yet happened.
2: And it is important to note that in TJ, the the shelters are mostly private organizations. They're all part of this association and they operate that way. I did get off the phone this afternoon with one of the, or the head, the Baja California State Head of Immigration or Immigrant Affairs. Uh, He works with the shelters to provide services. His main complaint was that at the state level and at the local level, they are not getting federal funding to care for this influx of migrants that they're seeing. So there's uh, a lot of frustration on the state and local side from the lack of federal financial support.
0: And is that expected to change anytime soon, or or are things kind of in a stalemate?
2: There's a lot of talk, but no real action to back it up, at least not yet. Um, At the federal level, they have been talking of opening up uh, federally run shelters in Tijuana and Mexicali, but there's no timetable for when that will happen. There's a,
1: a lack of a legal mechanism to allow for the federal government in Mexico to give funds to nonprofits or privately run shelters. So, so they're trying. You know, they cannot give money to these to these nonprofits, but they are trying to figure out how can how can they support them.
0: Mm-hmm. And as both of you are trying to get a grapple of this evolving story, what questions are you hoping to answer in the next coming days?
2: Well, my main one is the implementation of the new asylum policies, right? Do they apply to people who are just now arriving to Tijuana or do they apply to people who have already been in Tijuana for months waiting for asylum? Uh, Are they going to be deported back to their country of origin or are they going to stay in Mexico? You know, there's just a lot of uncertainties on top of already this return to Mexico policy that also has a lot of question marks in terms of the implementation.
1: Right. And I would just stress definitely where are where are folks being deported to um, because we've heard a lot of confusion along, that, along those lines too.
0: It seems like this already complicated process is getting even more confusing.
2: Correct. Yes. I think it is important to note or just keep in mind that These policies do affect individuals. So, we were talking to folks yesterday who had come from Cameroon and Ghana all the way to Tijuana to claim asylum. They said they chose to go to the U.S. because of its track record in human rights, and they feel that they can get the protection that they want in the United States and not in all the countries that they passed. And the sacrifice they took just to get to the border was pretty massive in terms of selling everything they owned in their home country to pay for the voyage and risk. safety by hiking through the Panamanian jungle, like these are really like real people who are affected by these policies coming out of Washington and Mexico City. So I think it's important not to lose sight of that.
1: That's absolutely correct. And I also I, I think we're to the point almost or, or we are already there where sort of like when the caravan arrived in Tijuana, we mm-hmm. sort of need to be on the ground every day and checking in every day with what's actually happening.
0: Yeah. And it, it can be easy just to kind of look at the macro problem. when. As his journalists, we need to focus on the people on the ground and what is actually affecting individuals. Absolutely. All right. Wendy Fry, Gustavus Elise, thank you both so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: In other border news, some immigrants whose families were separated at the border are now suing the Trump administration for emotional distress. The claim is being made under the Federal Torts Claims Act, a narrow law that allows individuals to sue the U.S. government for negligence and misconduct. About a dozen parents with experiences with family separation are suing, saying the policies were psychological intimidation meant to frighten others from entering the country. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Try out some of our other podcasts, too. Our ideas and opinion team hosts The Conversation, which features interviews with newsmakers and experts about San Diego news and issues. Our sports department hosts Hot Lava about all things Padres. To see all of our audio offerings, go to uniontrip.com podcasts. Until next time.